Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us in our Sunday online worship service. I believe all of us miss the church in gathering together, but yet we thank the Lord for this opportunity that we can take time to study God's Word, even though by online. And I pray as we come together today, may the Lord speak to us through His Word. Last week, we thank the Lord for the wonderful message that Pastor Ray has shared to all of us. His message is a reminder to all of us on how we should live while we wait for Christ's return. He quoted, he shared, May we live in holiness and live out our Christian witness as we await the return of Jesus. There is a duty that we need to do while we wait. And if you listen to last week's sermon, Pastor Ray have concluded this message by presenting the gospel. And he invited those who have not surrendered their life to Jesus by repenting for their sin and recognize their need of a Savior. And if you've been a Christian for many years now, you have heard this invitation of, of, of prayer many times in the church, through a friend, in a church retreat, and even a gathering. But have you ever asked a question, what's next? I remember when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was second year high school. There's a change in my heart. However, I was struggling in faith because of my lack of understanding on how I should live. My early spiritual walk is like a pendulum that moves from the two extreme and the other extreme. There was a point in my life that I was in one extreme, very legalistic. I filled my life with lists of do's and don'ts. My spiritual walk was simply mechanical, and I lose the joy of just doing it and just being with the Lord. I tried to live my life simply by just changing my external uh, moral behavior when there's no change of the heart. It's simply based on performance. You see, a Christian can go to an, to two extremes, and I would like to highlight these two examples that we can fall into. See, uh, like me in the past, I was legalistic. One extreme is legalism. The way you approach your Christian faith is by your, by just merely do's and don'ts. Your approach is just merely behavioral modification, changing the external, the way you behave. You have least don'ts and don'ts. It's based on performance. The other extreme, some believe, and, and this is a dangerous thing, and most of us probably have encountered this doctrine before is, is the idea of antinomianism, where they believe they're saved, however, they reject laws or moral laws. They said that because I'm already saved, because I'm already forgiven, therefore, I do whatever I want. See, there's two extreme, legalism and antinomianism, the hypergrace. But how can we prevent from going to these two extremes? How can we have a balanced spiritual life so that we can grow in the Lord in maturity? If you've been following our reading, we've been reading the book of Romans. You see, in the early church, similar problems have arisen. And you will notice in Paul's writing, in, in when he wrote to the churches in Ephesians, to the Colossians and, and Galatians, he was addressing the two extremes. And today we'll be studying the book of Romans. And my prayer is that we will have a proper understanding on how we should live. 
so that we can have a balanced and maturing spiritual life. In the coming weeks, as we read through the book of Romans, we will highlight important doctrinal position or doctrines that is important for us. And today we will look into one. I've entitled this sermon, Justified by Faith in Christ. And we'll be reading Romans 3, 21 to 25 and Romans 5, verse 1 to 11. Let's us read together. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have seen and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sin. Let's jump to Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into His grace, in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For who will scarcely die for a righteous person? Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God showed, shows His love for us in that while we are still sinner, sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we are enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we were rec- are reconciled, shall we live saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this afternoon once again that we are gathered to study your word. Oh Lord, we miss gathering together, coming together in fellowship. But even though we cannot do it right now, we know that you can still speak to us. Because we have your Spirit speaking to us, illuminating your word. I pray, O God, as we tackle this truth today, it might be uh, deep to some of us, but I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will, will just speak to us and make it so clear so that we can live a life that's not into the extremes, Lord, but we will enjoy our faith, our walk with you. I pray, Lord, that may we see and may we respond, O Lord, in worship. And may you just change and renew our mind as we study your word. We thank you, Lord, for this afternoon. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Unlike the Old Testament or the poetic books that we would refer to, or even the letters that Paul have wrote, the book of Romans is not an easy read because more than half of this book were theological and doctrinal explanation. If you would divide this, this book, there are two major parts. Let's look here. It consists of 16 chapter. Chapter 1 to 11, Paul's letter first address on the matter of what we should believe, the doctrinal aspect. And then only four chapters, 12, 14, 15, 16, with five chapters on how we should behave. This gives us an idea how important theology and doctrine in our life. Because theology and doctrine is not just informing us, it is also helping us to be transformed, our mind to be renewed so that we can live more like Christ. As I'm studying this, some scholars agree that one possible reason that Paul needed to focus on doctrine first is because there's a growing disunity and struggle between the Jewish Christian and the Gentile Christian in the early church. They have some confusion on the matter of law, grace, sin, salvation, and so on. Hence, it's affecting their spiritual growth in, in even the unity of the church. Just imagine a Jewish Christian. He said, because they have the Lord, you must follow all these things. And this, uh, this non-Jewish or the Gentile would be, they would say, no way, I, I, I'm already set free. So there's a lot of confusion and there is disunity and struggle between the two. So what, did this, what Paul did is this. Because of the conflict between the two, the first thing Paul in his writing in Romans is he need to put both the Jewish and the Gentile Christian in an equal pedestal. He's telling them, both of you are equal. With or without the law, both of you are guilty of sinning against God. That both is under God's wrath and judgment and in need of God's salvation. Therefore, first point that we can learn in here is that all have seen. Romans 3, 22b said, For there is no distinction, for all have seen and fall short of the glory of God. Paul said this, this, you might be a Gentile, you might be a Jew. Both of you, there's no distinction because both of you have fallen into sin. You know, if you read the book of Romans, it's very interesting how Paul started by describing the godlessness and the wickedness of men in the first chapter. This is just the first chapter. Look at how he described the condition of man. He said in verse chapter 1, verse 21, he said, Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish heart were darkened. Verse 24, Therefore God gave them up in the lustful of their hearts to impurity. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to the dishonorable passion. And if you look into that, it, it describes those unnatural relationships that they were doing. Verse 29 to 31, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Look at this, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy. You know, sometimes 
we 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 envious of someone who's successful who taught you that no one taught you that it is inside us murder strife deceit maliciousness there are gossip no one taught us to gossip but many of us enjoy gossiping other people slander no one taught us to slander others hater of god insolent haughty who taught you to be to be mayama you see no one it it becomes it is in us because of our sinful ways sinfulness boastfulness inventors of evil disobedient to parents you see, you see parents our, we don't need to teach our teenager how to dis, how to disobey because it's natural to them because of sinful ways foolishness faithlessness heartlessness and ruthlessness See, Paul described who man, how the condition of man is in chapter 1. You know, very interesting because of this circuit breaker, I have the opportunity to be with my family. And one thing, um, as I work, Levi would take my phone and said, and I, I noticed that he's changing. He's more malam, marunong na siya ngayon. Manipulate. He's knowing how to manipulate. And then one day, I was, he took my phone and said he want to play a particular game in my phone. So I told him, go ask mama first. So he went to, to my wife and he asked, he walks it, uh, mama, can I play the game? And I heard the mom, no. And then Levi came back to me and said, and said, papa, mama said yes. You see, who taught that? I did not taught that. My wife did not taught that. But it's because of the sinful nature. And this is what Paul described, the sinful way. However, the Jewish Christian community might respond and argue and defend themselves as a Whoa, whoa, Paul, you are describing the Gentiles. But we are different. We are not like them doing all these things, this, this honorable passion. No, we are different because we have the law. God has given us the law through Moses. And this is what Paul' defense was to them. He said in chapter 2, verse 13, For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. And he continued in verse 23, You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. Now they will say, ah, we, the Jewish Christians said that we have the law. And then Paul said, yes, you have the law, but you do and obey the law. It exposes that they are that that they, that the both Gentile and Jewish are sinful. Therefore, Paul concluded by saying this in verse nine to ten of chapter three: "What then are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged all, both Jews and Greek, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous; no, not one." You know, brother and sister, this reveals to us the, our condition that we are all guilty. God has given the law, however, none can ever attain and reach the requirements of a holy God. Hence, we deserve judgment and the wrath of God. Romans 1.19 We are all hopeless and in a helpless condition. However, this is the good news. Out of God's abundant mercy and love, God made a way for us to be reconciled to Him. What is impossible to man, to God, nothing is impossible. 
God solved the problem of sin. God solved our separation from Him by sending His only Son to be the perfect sacrifice, to atone for our sin, to redeem us, to cleanse us so that we can be declared righteous before His sight. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, he says, For while we are still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For God shows His love for us, in that while we are still sinner, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more that we shall be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. This leads us to the second point. Yes, all of us have sinned. However, God made a way for sinners to be justified by faith in Christ. Let us just first define what is justification. See, justification is a legal standing that results from the process of being justified. Wayne Goodham explained in his book, Systematic Theology, he said justification is an instantaneous legal act of God in which he thinks of our sin as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belong to us and declare us to be righteous in his sight. For us to explain this, let's give you a scenario. I remember when, when I was younger, I saw those tracks, this particular uh, tract that was given out to people and it was in the Philippines. It's a story about a criminal who would stand in the trial. He was standing before the trial and, and all the evidence is, is laid before them. And it points that he is that the culprit and that he is guilty and he deserved to be punished and deserved to be in jail. And the judge was there. Then suddenly in this particular uh, gospel trap, a person came in, the brother of the criminal. And the brother of the criminal said, to the to the judge, he said, I will take his place. I will get the penalty in his place. Release him. You see, justification is the same. When one is justified, it's not to claim that he is innocent of his crime, but rather that offender has been exempted from the penalty he is justly deserved. You see this particular picture of what Christ done on the cross. When Jesus hang on the cross, he took our guilt, the sin, our guilt upon himself and paid for us. And then what did we receive? We received. He imputed to us his righteousness. And when he, when he imputed to us his righteousness, we are then cleansed and we are able to stand before God, declared righteous. And as a result of justification, there's a change in man's relationship and standing before God. Because when God imputes Christ's righteousness to a believer, there's a change of status and position. There's a change. Once, once you're guilty, now you're declared and accepted as righteous in the eyes of a holy God. You were once an enemy, now you became a friend. You once deserved the wrath of God, the judgment of God, but now you enjoy enjoying the peace with God. 
You see, man does not earn this righteousness, this imputed righteousness, but instead we receive it as a free gift of God's love that He place his, as we place His faith in Christ. It is not by work, but by faith. Romans 3.28, it says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. We see the beautiful thing about Romans is is so deep and and what Paul did after explaining what it means to be justified by faith. In chapter 4, he uses Abraham as a model of faith and explained how faith works. In chapter 4, verse 1 to 8, Paul explained what it means to be justified by faith and not work. In Romans 4, verse 3, he says here, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, if you study the life of Abraham from Genesis chapter 12 to 25, you see the way he have lived. He lived his life with deep faith in the Lord. When God called him out from his own city, from city of Ur to be to to go to the promised land, he left his hometown. He responded in faith in God. He responded in faith in God when God promised to him that he will have a son, even though. In spite of the circumstances they are facing, he's already old and Sarah is barren. And even you see the faith that Abraham have when he, he, he trusted God and obeyed God when he asked his son Isaac. You see, Abraham displayed a radical trust in God personally and completely. And because of this, it was considered to him as righteousness because he believed. It's not because of something he did, but simply he had faith in the Lord. It's the same thing for all of us. Justification by faith is we are not, but not by our own work, but we just simply need to believe what Christ has done on the cross. In Romans 4, 25, it says, By the words it was counted to him were not written for his own sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up to our trespasses and raised for our justification. Like Abraham, we are called to respond in faith and receive the justification in faith in Christ. Martin Luther said, the true gospel has it that we are justified by faith alone without the deeds of the law. I remember many years back when we still had the Gulung Gulung Park. If you know the Gulung Gulung Park was a small hill in which um, the building Ion was standing, Ion in Orchard was standing. Um, there was a point of time where uh, that we have evangelism. So we went to that place and shared the gospel. And I am one of my partner approached to a group and, and we were discussing and talking about God and sharing the gospel. And this particular lady said she's a Christian. And said we, we rejoice, praise God. Oh, alam mo na pala ang Panginoon, kilala ko na pala Panginoon. 
and we were rejoicing. And then suddenly, we asked, how do you know you're safe? Ang sagot niya, ganito, she don't know that she's safe. She said she's Christian, but she don't know she's safe. And then asked why? Because she don't know what she will do tomorrow that will that is no assurance in his faith. You see, when we understand the work of Christ on the cross, that is not our work, but it's simply we are justified by faith alone. We have that assurance in our heart that God made a way. This leads me to the last point. The benefits of a justified sinner because of our new status in the Lord because of that we are now uh, declared righteous before him we will experience a divine benefits that from the come from the Lord and that's mentioned in chapter 5 we read in chapter 5 verse 1 it says therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, Now only, not only that, we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. One implication and benefit why of, of being reconciled and being justified is this, we've been reconciled back to the Lord. That restoration of relationship that was broken because of sin, and now that relationship between are now closer, restored, and now we have this following benefit. One is that we have the peace with Him. As we I mentioned earlier, we were once an enemy, subjected to God's wrath and judgment, but now we are part of God's family, as sons and daughter of God to Jesus Christ. Now we have peace with him. You know, God did not only forgive us of our sin, but he also made peace with us. To illustrate this God, peace with God, just imagine you have a heated argument with someone, probably your wife or your husband, employer, parent. You know, ang hirap matulog pag nagbago, bago ka matulog, nag-away ka ng asawa mo, and nakatulog kayo side by side, ang hirap, because there's no peace. Now just imagine someone have hurt you so deeply. Deep in your heart, you said, I have moved on, I have forgiven this person. But that does not necessarily you have peace with him. Now let's say this person are going to the same church with you. And you are in the same lift lobby. You enter the same lift Nakita kayo biglaan, nasyak Kasi ngayon lang kayo nakalabas. Nakita kayo. Inside, inside your heart, you said, I, I've forgiven the person, but you know there's sense of awkwardness because you don't have the peace with that person. That's how men react, but God is different. God not only forgave us, but God made peace with us. 
and we just need to receive the peace comes of having reconciled with him. You see, one implication of having this peace with God is when we are dealing with our past. Some of us made great blunders in the past and there are moments that we made mistakes that will hurt us because of the guilt in our life. Probably some of us cannot move forward. But remember this, brothers and sisters. God has forgiven you. God has justified you. God has reconciled you to himself. And God also made peace with you. What is the most important thing we have is to having a peace with him. Because once we have the peace with him, then we will have the peace of God that will rest in our heart. First, peace with God. The benefit. Second benefit is we get granted access to his presence. Because we've been justified, we can now enter his presence freely and enjoy him. We can come to him in prayer. We can come to him in worship. Come, whatever you are. You know, sometimes if you look at the Old Testament, before they come to the temple, they must prepare certain things, ceremonial laws. They have to do A, B, C, D, then they'll be ready to enter. But now, God is offering for us to come because we are being justified. Now we can enter his presence and be with him. I like what Hebrews 4, 16 says. He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. What an invitation. You know, there are times we are struggle, struggling. It might be sin or probably a problem. Where would you run? You know, the best place to run is to run to his presence. Third benefit is the future hope of glory. Because that we have been justified and reconciled to him. Now we have a different perspective. Our present reality is not the final reality. We look forward at what will happen in the future. We know the future will come, will be beautiful. We know that Jesus will come back and that we have that hope of glory to be with him. What an assurance. The third, fourth benefit is this. We have the benefit of having an unshakable hope in God's love. And I would like to focus on this. In verse 3, it says, not only that we rejoice, but we will rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us into shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This text is hard to understand and comprehend and apply because it's not easy for all of us to rejoice in our suffering. Most of us associate rejoicing in relation to joyous occasion or beautiful things that happen in our life. We associate rejoicing when we are successful, when we experience abundant blessing in our life. But this is what Paul said, rejoice in our suffering. Why is that so? 
what is it the benefit for a non-Christian, non-believer? You know, in the midst of suffering, God can use this moment to develop an unshakable hope because it's because we learn to be concretized to depend in God's love. When we see God's love in the midst of suffering, we will see that our suffering is an opportunity to develop and train us in godliness. Look at the verse. It says that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Endurance comes by the grace of God. God help us to endure all the hardship we are going through. He give us strength to continue on. The same thing, character. God developed that character in us when we go through hardship and trials. We can be more patient. We'll be able to continue on. We are calm in the full of the spirit. We can also the last thing in the midst of suffering is an opportunity. For God to strip away false securities. Many times we have other securities in life. But one thing we learn when we go to suffering is this. Our security is in God's love. That's the benefit of one who is justified by God. To summarize what we have learned today, I would like to show you this graph. All have fallen to sin and dead to sin. God has given us the law to show us that we can never reach the standard of God. We try to reach, but we couldn't. But out of God's mercy and grace, He reached out to us by sending His Son and responded in faith in the gift that God has given us. In the moment of conversion or regeneration, we experience the justification by faith. Our position has changed now. We're no longer under wrath, but now we have the peace with God. It's a beautiful picture here that we have shown. Next week, what we're going to learn is this aspect, the process of growth, sanctification. To conclude, when we realize that we have been justified by faith, it should develop humility in each one of us. It should prevent us from becoming legalistic Christian, boasting of our own human effort. You know, a legalistic spirituality is manifested in a few ways. How come I know? Because I was, and I am still at times, very legalistic. When you're legalistic, you become self-righteous. You think you're perfect. You become judgmental on people. When people sin, you become judged. Galing mo mag-judge. Hindi mo makakita yung specs ng mata mo. Self-legalistic spirituality. You become judgmental and you're full of pride of yourself. When you're legalistic, when you fail, what happened? You, you self-condemn. You have that unrelenting truth in you. But when we realize that we've been justified by faith, it removes the pride in self 
it removes that trying hard self-effort or performance-driven spirituality. But instead, we have the humility to come to the Lord. We have assurance of His love. We have assurance of His forgiveness, of His peace. And you're no longer performing. But rather, you live your spiritual walk in His grace, in His love. I like what Tozo said. He said, the doctrine of justification by faith, a biblical truth, and a blessed relief from austere legalism and unavailing self-effort. You know, when we realize that it's not bound work, it's all the work of God, we'll be able to sing this song. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things He has done. With His blood, He has saved me. With His power, He has raised me. To God be the glory for the things He has done. You will not boast of self, but you will boast in Christ alone. We are justified in faith. In Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this afternoon that we can look into your scripture and understand our position, that we are made right in your presence because we have been justified, because of what Jesus has done on the cross. The His righteousness is imputed in us to us. Now we've been able to stand in your presence, declared righteous. And now we're experiencing the benefit of this, of having peace with you, of having that assurance that we can enter your presence and having that blessed hope, knowing our future will be beautiful. At the same time, we are able to endure suffering because we experience your love. Lord, I pray as we look upon what you have done on the cross, remove any self-pride in us, any self-righteousness. Remove, Lord, any self-condemnation. And may we see that we have been justified by faith in Christ and that we will have the peace and assurance in you. We thank you, Lord, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, thank you for joining us today. And I pray that may we live in assurance in the Lord that we have been justified. May we respond in faith. Let's just receive the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Lord, we thank you that you are with us. I pray, Lord, that this coming week keep us safe. And I pray, Lord, that now as we go through this COVID-19 breaker, give us strength to endure each day. Have your way in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us in our worship service. See you again next Sunday. And we would like to invite you in our prayer gathering every Wednesday at 9 p.m.
God bless everyone. See you soon.